Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the McShin Foundation's award-winning recovery podcast, Get in the Herd. Today, um, today we've done something a little, little different today. I've brought in a new person to recovery who has experience in recovery, um, has, has also participated in a McShin Foundation jail program, and comes to us and is now a participant here in, one of our, in our intensive house. And so I thought it would be awesome to have Kyle Sunday join us. And I love the name too, Kyle Sunday. It's like it, that, that right there is a DJ name, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I brought, Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle. Um, great to have you, Kyle. And also our, our special guest today um, coming to us from Montana, where I believe it's still frozen over, right? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's like 90 here today. It was unusual. So. Oh. Well, all right. Well, you're warmer than we are. Uh, we have <laughs> we have Leela. Is it Yale? Leela, Yael. Yael. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Call me Leela, though. Leela Graham um, from Montana with the Montana Recovery Advocacy Project, etc. So um, first, Kyle, welcome to the show. Um, what brings you here today? Thank you for having me. Um, what brings me here today is I'm ready to find a new life. You know, um, I went to the jail program at RSW, and I'm not going to lie to you, when I first joined that jail program, it was for the coffee and donuts and the movies they watched. You know, you know what I'm saying? But I stuck around long enough and I finally heard the message and, and you know, I realized it was time. I'm getting too old for this life, man. You know, I've got responsibilities and I've got a family I got to take care of. And I just, I don't want to go back and, and staying at that program. You know, I was lucky enough to be one of the ones that received a scholarship and I wanted to fulfill that scholarship and come here and do everything I could in my power just to stay sober and, and find a new way to live, you know, because I'm 31 years old and I've lived more of my life high than I have sober. So this, mm. this new way of life, is not easy, but this is the best tool I've ever been given and had the chance to, you know, receive thanks to, you know, McShin and, and Cricket and John. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. And so Leela, when we talk about, and I know that you're you're a recovery advocate and a person in recovery, and I'll I'll let you tell your story. I'm sorry, but I know that you do a lot of work with social justice, um, faith, and recovery, and how that how that interrelates. And I love that. And when you hear Kyle talk about what he's doing, what 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 bubbles up for you? And first of all, why are you here? Actually, <laughs> what, what well, you um, <laughs> I'm here because I have a to tap. Well, I went to Big Shin um, a couple times. I couldn't um, stay clean out in Virginia, and I moved back home to Montana. Um, I have. Um, been without mood and my ultra some since October 12th, 2016. Um, I, I lived in Virginia for 12 years. I'm a UVA grad. Um, and I'm so grateful that Kyle's here. Um, and Kyle has found this um, new, hopefully new way of life. I, I think a lot of people find recovery within, you know, um, an institution. Um, and I am so grateful that there are programs like McShin in jail programs out, you know, out here, there are some programs, um, for, um, you know, getting into recovery, but they're not as, not as perfect, you know, pervasive as it is out in Virginia. So, um, I'm just grateful that you found an opportunity to do something different with your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, your work, right? And and so you are alumni of McShin. And yeah. Can you, yeah, what was it like as a participant? When when were you here and what was it like? I was there in 2014, mm. um, a couple of times. So I came, I went in and I was there for like 21 days and I just, what, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready yeah. to stop, you know? And I had, I wasn't really, honestly, there wasn't, I wasn't willing to give up my friends or who I thought were my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, then I came, I went out for a little while and then I came back into McShin for, I was there for 30 days and then 
left and went back out for a month and then decided to, well, with encouragement of a few people told me to just like leave Virginia and, you know, go. I actually had a couple friends die and I called my mom and I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm not going to make it because I saw the writing on the wall and I moved back to Montana. I'm a fifth generation Montanan. Then um, I came back home. And I, I was here for a couple of years and I read a recurrence and then, I, you know, that, that was October 12th, um, 2016, my last day of use. Hmm. Well, the what? 11th. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think about my recovery date and I, I realize, you know, I, I sit and I analyze and I'll think, well, I probably wasn't actually clean for a few more days after that. And, and at some point I just sort of gave up the, you know what, this is my date. I'm going to keep that date. I love that date. We're not going to change that date. And, and I, yeah. But yeah, I have it to the day time. after I, the last use. That's the, that's yeah. what, that's what I, yeah. Cause I, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, as a as a new person to recovery, you know, who has experience with recovery in the past, you know, you you um you've brought a lot of knowledge to the table, and you obviously had a knowledge a lot of knowledge when you were you know sitting in those in those cells. Um, what are the challenges you're facing now as a new person in recovery, getting you know getting into recovery here as the pandemic is sort of waning but also you know while things are still kind of closed what what are the challenges you're facing right now and how have you overcome those challenges leela one of my biggest challenges is the humility because hmm. with being in recovery before i had all these people seeing me do good and and i was clean for over a year and i was doing good and then i messed it all up so coming back into recovery and having to admit to everybody, you know, I screwed up again, you know, it was hard because I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. Absolutely not. You know, and and that's one of the biggest challenges is, is getting back into that, you know, creating a whole new network of people and, and, you know, getting another sponsor. And it's just, I have to humble myself sometimes and realize, you know, not all of us get this chance to have a second chance. You know, I could have easily, when I went back out, not showed back up here but you know i'm i'm here now and and i've got to kind of get out of my head in that sense because you know my mind for me is my biggest enemy you know i think too much i think too much about what people think about me and that will stop me from pursuing my own recovery in, in a sense you know because i'm i don't want them to think oh well look he's here doing this for this reason or he's going to go back out because look what he did last time I've got to let all those thoughts go and I got to be here for me and my recovery because nothing else matters. It's not their life that's on the line. It's mine. And that's one of the biggest things I got to get over is, is just humbling myself and, and, you know, being able to get through that. That's one of my biggest challenges. Yeah. How do you, how do you, what do you hear from that, Leela? You know, I think humility is a big part of um, something we is a really huge component to maintain um, this life. But, what I was saying for what I've done, um, uh, you know, for the pandemic is I, I had to really get in touch with like, you know, my spiritual practice. Um, you know, I like do yoga and, you know, meditation and all this stuff. So I really had to kind of, you know, cause I knew there wasn't going to a lot of people outside. I wasn't going to see. So it was a lot of word to like, how do we get adjusted? How we get grounded, you know, or I get grounded in, you know, to move forward. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of, you know, read a lot of stuff. I like took long walks. I did, a, um, you know, that, I mean, and then I did a lot of zoom meetings, you know, more zoom meetings than ever. Um, but really I had to really get, get grounded in, you know, uh, my spiritual practice to, to, to maintain, um, this, um, recovery and everything. That was the key for me. So, yeah. So what do you what do you hear, Kyle, when when Leela's talking about getting grounded in that spiritual practice? What is that? What do you hear for yourself there? Well, I'm gonna tell you this right now. When I first started getting locked up, I had that jail recovery all day. God, <laughs> please get me out of here. I'll never do it again. I'll read the Bible. I'll I'll do this, and then, you know, just like the program, I stuck around and I started reading my Bible. And you know, the NA is grounded in spiritual principles. It doesn't say you have to have your higher power. It has to be God. You just have to have a higher power. And, you know, for me, sitting in that jail cell, being able to read the Bible and being in the program with like-minded people who had, you know, not all of their higher powers were God or, or you know, religion. 
Um, for me, when I had trouble with religion, because it was always crammed down my throat, I made my higher power while I was struggling karma. That was my mm. higher power. You do to others as you want done into yourself. You get what you give. And that's what helped me while I was struggling with that issue because me, I'm a see it to believe it kind of person. So the, the, the religion part kind of struggled a little bit, but mm. you know, I stuck around and it worked, you know, I kept coming back and you know, here I am. So I think a lot of what, you know, it's funny cause Jamie uh, Baker, who is a long time viewer of the show, he asks a question here and I think it relates to what you both just talked about. He says, uh, Jamie says, Kyle, do you find that the definition of doing the next right thing has changed as you grow in recovery? And that's a good question, I think, for for really all three of us. So um, I guess, Kyle, you want to answer that? And then we can we can all answer that. Absolutely. See, for me, the day you stop working for your recovery is the day that you die. It doesn't matter if you're just doing one small step every day to better yourself. That's what we got to keep doing because the day that we stop working towards getting better, you know, towards learning our recovery and, and about our disease, the day you stop working towards that is the day you're going to die. You know, there's a lot of stuff that comes with this addiction and in recovery. And for me, I try to take in all the information that I can and I want to do the next right thing because that's not something I'm used to during my addiction. You know what I mean? I'm not used to doing the right thing. And these days I feel good doing that. And I can look at the end of the day at myself and say, Hey, I did something good. I bettered myself. What can I do tomorrow to make that better? You know, hmm. how do you, how do you, uh, how do you respond to that, Leela? You know, I, th I think doing the next right thing in recovery really changes. I, I think at the beginning, we were really focused on just like, just, you know, not using. Yeah. And for me, like now, I mean, four and four and a half years, a little more than four and a half years. Like, I mean, I work on my recovery a day, but it looks a lot different than it did the first year I was in. Like I was focused on meetings and, you know, just and step work and, you know, all that stuff. And now I'm like, how can I give back to my community? You know, what can I do? Like, I'm still going to meetings. I'm still doing stuff, but I'm not doing nearly as much every day. I'm like holding on to the grips of that. Like, I'm like, can I pick up trash? Can I like meet, you know, can I like meet someone who helped them with housing and then, you know, um, uh, go, you know, go for a walk with someone who needs it, like help someone, you know, groceries or something like that. That is, it means a, it's a lot different these days. I'm still maintaining my recovery, but I'm not, it's, I'm doing outside, not just staying in the rooms and holding on, you know, to, you know, to dare not to use, you know, we like today I'm principles in all I'm, our affairs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's, it looks a lot different. Yeah. You know? I, I, um, I, I appreciate what you just said because that for me, um, the next right thing or, you know, doing, doing what's next. And, you know, for me is, is, is not popping off at my neighbor who, you know, uh, you know, I, some of you who might've listened last week know that <laughs> I had a little situation with my neighbor. Um, but it also means, you know, Justin and I were at the store yesterday together, our producer, Justin, and, and we talked about putting the, putting the grocery cart back in its spot and how that really defines, you know, it, it, but it's, you know, it's, it's a it's silly a butterfly effect, right? Right. And it, right. right. Yeah. And it, but it is right. The next right thing, you know, and even if it just seems like to me, it's like, well, duh, of course I'm going to do that. How many times do you go to the grocery store and see random carts just sitting out there? So obviously, I mean, you know, the, and someone may have seen you, right. Hmm. And push the cart back and like, Oh, next time I'm going to put the cart back. And that's, right. I mean, that's whole butterfly effect, right? That's, yeah. you know, yeah. people, I mean, and, you know, I think it, people know I'm in a cover because I, I have a user care on stickers of this. I'm recovering and I go like everywhere I go and I would have them on. And um, so I'm a little, you know, like, ah, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm out, so I need to order more. But um, and so people like, and, you know, and they, they watch me and they know that, you know, that's who I, <laughs> so I have to, you know. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, you know, I'm always wearing, it seems, you know, some kind of recovery t-shirt, right? And nowadays, I, you know, I even have a bumper sticker, a McShin bumper sticker on my car too. And that actually makes me think about 
when I'm driving, you know, am I speeding? Now, and of course, I, I have a problem, you know, with a lead foot, and I inherited that from my father. Um, so, you know, I have to be mindful of that because the consequences, uh, I've had some consequences with that recently, too. And so because of that, I'm now more mindful. You know, I have that sticker on my car, but also the next right thing is actually to follow the law and to not speed, you know, and, and even well, as a work in program with honesty, right? Right, exactly. And making sure I'm practicing my principles in all my affairs. And, and, you know, to Jamie's question, it also means paying my taxes, you know, filing things. Like I just got my property taxes in Richmond City and I'm like, Ugh. you know, and it's, it's for my car, but I need to pay that, you know, and, and that's, self-sufficiency. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And those are the things today. It's like, you know, getting here and getting to work and doing the things. That's what the next right thing for me is. And of course it, you you hit it on the head for me, just not using, you know, just not using, you know, and I, I make a commitment in the morning. I don't know about y'all, but like I think about that in the morning. I'm like, all right, you know what? Today I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to do the stuff that I used to do, the shit. I can say shit mm -hmm. um, that I used to do back in the day. And then I start my day with gratitude. So um, Jamie also asks, um, Oh, this is a good question, Jamie. Jamie. Jamie says, what advice would you give to anyone that may have tried recovery and has relapsed? So uh, I'm, I'm in, I guess I'm not sure if Jamie means has relapsed and come back or is currently in active addiction. But I think from either, either perspective, I think this is a good question. Do you have any suggestions, Leela, for somebody? I, I mean, I mean, we have a brain <laughs> disease, right? It's not uncommon for us to have a recurrence of our disease. So like just, I mean, I mean, people have, a, I, I, I have a hard time when people, you know, like it, we, you know, we have a recurrence occasionally and, you know, just speak, you know, come, come, come back, you know, it, it's a brain, it happens, sneaks up on us. You yeah. know, I mean, there's tools to, you know, stop their recurrence or in the recurrence, but it's a recurrence. So, I mean, so it's not, you know, we have the tools just come back in, you know, to contact your friends, the people, you know, just like pop into a meeting or like hit a zoom meeting. I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's, there's, we have ways to do that. No one, I, I actually believe more people like when they come back in after a, a relapse, don't, you know, like they're like, welcome back. Come sit with me. At least that's what I do. <laughs> if yeah. I know people have come back, I'm like, Hey, I'm glad to see you. You want to sit down? Can I, you know, like, you know, do you have my number? Like yeah. call me anytime, you know? So how do you, how do you, uh, looking at Jamie's question, what do you, what do you think, Kyle? My biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, because I know when I relapsed, I didn't want to call nobody. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't, I so badly wanted help to stop. Like I started going through it again. And I'm like, man, this, I don't want to be doing this, but I'm not going to call my sponsor and tell him I got higher. I'm not going to call somebody and ask them for help because I'm, you know, I'm too scared. I don't want them to judge me. Don't be scared to ask for help because in all reality, if you're in the rooms and you have friends in addiction, you know, a lot of us have relapsed and a lot of us have made it through that. So the, the advice you can get from the next person about how they got through it. And, and, you know, as addicts, we love helping each other. You know, it may not seem like that. Your disease might say, well, he's going to judge me and, you know, they're not going to want me to come to the meetings. That's absolutely not true. You know, we have to be fearless and wanting to stay sober, you know, and, and relapse. You just got to ask for help. Talk to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is, you know, ask for help yeah. and you will get it. It's the most terrifying thing to do. Trust me. I know I've been there, but that's what you got to do. You know, otherwise, you know, we're gonna die. Yeah, that's uh, and and yeah, you're that's, right. I mean, that that's the bottom line. I mean, the, the death's so possible. You know, <laughs> yeah. Lila, your work, um, your work now, you know, as a as a recovery advocate, the things that you do. Tell us, you know, I, I know that you're involved in the Montana Recovery Advocacy Project, just like we are here in the Virginia Recovery Advocacy Project. We're sort of. Uh, two branches of the same tree, um, essentially. Um, but I know you do other things in your daily life. What, what is it that you do on the regular and, and what do you want to do more of? So, you know, what I, with Montana Advocacy Project right now, our team is um, trying to get more or any um, 
you know, sober living facilities. Um, we hardly, I mean, they're, most of them are attached to the DOC and they're not just, we, there's no Oxford houses in Montana cause it's rural. They're not, they don't allow or allow, or I don't know. Um, and so a few, there's a few, they're like mostly run by, you know, offshoots with the DOC. So there's not a lot. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to get more people involved in, you know, getting um, sober living facilities open around the state. And uh, just getting, you know, that, I mean, that's a hard thing. Like last year, it was me <laughs> and we're having advocacy project. I had a home try to get a lot of people, but the pandemic kind of like hit us. And this year we have like five people on our, on our team. We have a, a cool woman that runs the addiction recovery ministry out of one of the churches here in Missoula. Am I having feedback? Sorry. No, um, on our end. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we have a variety of people on, on our team this year. It's so it's really exciting. But the, on the half, my, um, I started this um, organization on in, independence rock coalition, faith ethics. Well, it was faith justice. Sorry. Faith, social justice, and recovery. And uh, so we, you know, it's kind of been down slow in the last couple of months. So we just did social distance walking clubs this year. We tried to get a lot of people out. Mm. Um, we had a lot of recovery people out. We, I mean, that's what I do. I walk. I, I choose not to own a car for, you know, political reasons. Um, I'm a vet and I've a lot of, lost a lot of people in you know in Iraq so I'm like I as my politics I choose not to own a car I live in Missoula and I can walk everywhere on this free bus system so I can choose not to own a car wow um so you know I walk like 40 some off 40 to 50 miles um a week but um I walk longer I, like on my birthday I walk 27 because <laughs> I wanted to get a new fitness my Fitbit badge so I walked from here to like almost because <laughs> that's what I do right I walk so fitness goals uh, today right? <laughs> right so it was like my 55,000 badge for a Fitbit so I'm like for my birthday I'm gonna get my 55,000 foot badge <laughs> so that's go figure right yeah so we did that and got you know 10 to 12 people out once you know every other day walking around there are different people we have a lot of walking paths around and so they just walked and then we did a book club recovery book club we did um like for three months we did untamed by glennon doyle i don't know if you ever read that book but it's badass and she's what's a person it, wait, in recovery too it's what called it? untamed by glennon doyle oh yeah yeah uh, okay. It's badass. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And she's yeah. a person in recovery as well. Um, so, yeah, but we're going to start more, more, you know, in, you know, like now that Pentex's open, um, we're going to do lots more stuff. But my board is, you know, reconvening and uh, are, there are different projects, but a lot of them do like, you know, letters to, you know, people who are, um, you know, like we get, you know, send books behind bars and, Mm. You know, letters, people who want, you know, contact or, you know, uh, innocence, kind of an innocence project, but like people who like that, can we, can, you know, people who are coming out of the system that need housing, that's what we worked on as well. You know, help, help with that, you know, employment, you know, people, you know, like could, could use some, I mean, Montana is different, like they can vote <laughs> while they're oh, in wow. the pre-release. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, if they're in prison, they don't can vote, but they only get their rights suspended, not, you know. It's, yeah, you can, we're working on that here in Virginia. Yeah. Well, it was weird. I was like, what do you mean you, you can vote now? And I was talking, that's exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was excited when I got my votes, uh, my voting rights restored before the presidential election last year. I was excited. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I because I have these I have the stickers and, you know, people are like, oh, I can vote. I'm like, well, I thought you were, you know, like, no, I can vote. I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> I think it's only Virginia and Florida that. Uh, well, anyway, a lot, yeah. the, a lot of the southern states. Yeah, but. Well, so so uh, pivoting on this, right? Um, you know, talking about challenges faced by individuals, you know, re-entering or re-entering from a jail or prison, but also entering into recovery for the first time. And you know, we talked about humility, and I love I love that the the tangible. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. What what Go do ahead. you have to say no, on that? I Mila? was going to say like <laughs> I I sorry, this might seem true, but I think a lot of people like how to like keep your house cleaned how to do laundry uh -huh. and like take a shower <laughs> and brush things. your teeth right mm. 
we might not talk about this, but I think coming in, I mean, I know when I was using the last couple of times, I'm like, I remember I got back and I was like, when's the last time I took a shower? I mean, that might be gross, but I'm like, I don't remember, yeah. you know, like I didn't brush my teeth at all during like major bit, you know, active addiction. Like I made a couple of times, but to, I didn't remember to put that on, to take a shower, to brush my teeth, to do laundry, you know, to wash the dishes, to like take the dog outside. These things like they didn't, well, I didn't do them very at all during like the height of active addiction. Right. Yeah. So you might have to relearn them or just get in a habit of doing them. I don't think we talk about that, you know, when people are coming in, like, this might be a challenge. You might get stuck, like, yeah. how to wash your dishes, but we do it. It's like what we have to do, self-sufficiency, right? It sucks. Mm -hmm. But, you, gotta, you know, those <laughs> little things could, over, well, could overwhelm me. Like, what the hell, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think no, we can talk about stuff like that and be like, this is going to be a challenge to do day-to-day -day activities. Mm. I mean... <laughs> possibly and, and yeah how do, how do you relate to that so the, the, that's that you just sparked a whole bunch of ideas in my head Layla. look uh everything she said is absolutely correct because for me see because i just got out of prison so i'm used to to having a, a set schedule and doing my own thing now when i got to this intensive house they're like well we're giving you a chore and you gotta do this and do that i'm like it's just hard enough for me to wake up in the morning and make a cup of coffee like you know did you you had a phone when you got here too didn't you i did yeah yeah unfortunately i do not anymore i, I remember i remember that yeah yes but you know that's probably for the best because my my focus needs to be on well i'm here not on facebook because that's what I'm doing, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, but, Facebook, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, like she said, learning how to do these things sober because, like I said, I spent 17 years high. I don't think there was a a thing I I ever did that I wasn't high. You know what I mean? That I was sober. So having to, you know, I get frustrated having to fold my clothes. I'm like, this shit sucks. I, you know, and and it's like you got to fight through it because. You know, this is what we're going to have to deal with the rest of our lives. Like, I don't like doing the simplest shit because mm -hmm. it sucks while you're sober, you know, but that's what we have to do. And, and that's what we have to tell people. And that's why I'm glad I'm at this house because, you know, I've, I've only been there maybe less than two weeks and, and mm. you know, I'm getting situated. I do my chores in the morning. I wake up at six o'clock in the morning, make everybody coffee, do some dishes just to try and get into a routine mm. to keep myself from falling back into that laziness like oh uh, you know what i mean I, I i need to do these regular life skills that we're supposed to be doing it you know and it and it's it's rough sometimes man but mm -hmm. if you keep going you're gonna get it you know take it from me because it's a pain in the ass but i'm getting there i'm getting there i think and i i talk about this all the time and i think for me one of the the greatest parts of my recovery and certainly today to this day the the most spiritual time of my day is when i'm making the bed in the morning and i know that some admiral somewhere did a little video on that the blah, 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 blah. yeah right and and but here you know when i was a participant at mcshin you know we had to make our beds and so you know and and they checked and they looked you know and in fact my house leader when i first moved here was justin our producer <laughs> and you know and, and i wouldn't say he was a hard ass but he did his job and he made sure that we we you know because he's a person in recovery too and and he made sure you know he held us accountable for that and i still make my bed every day i didn't do that when i was in active addiction all the time there were did times you have a bed that well, I swear I was just about to say the so same right. thing. I don't even have a bed. That was in yeah. addiction. Well, that's and that's the thing. When I'm making my bed, that's so funny. You both you you know exactly that because when I'm making my bed and I start, I'm 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 getting my gratitude in there right there. I mean, I'm I'm always grateful and I, you know, but my action right there is I'm grateful for this bed. There were so many times where I would wake up and not know where I was who was with me, you know, or I didn't have a bed. I mean, I slept in the van a few times, you know, I mean, I, I, that, I always, I almost always found somewhere to land, but the things I had to do to get to that point mm -hmm. weren't fun. And, and so, yeah, that, and that's why that to me grounds me 
I hope every morning in the gratitude. You know, I make a decision in the morning when I wake up. You know what? Today I'm not going to screw up my life. More so, you know, with drugs and alcohol anyway. I'll find I'll find other creative ways to screw up my life. But with drugs and alcohol, I, you know, if I put that out of my system for the day, I have a better shot um, of getting other things right. And then, you know, making my bed. Now, it's not always the first thing I do in the morning. Usually it's probably down the low, you know, I get coffee, pee, you know, all the things. But when I do sit and make my bed or stand there and make my bed, that that's when I, my gratitude starts. Well, that's when my gratitude is really in action and I'm really focused on that. And this morning, you know, like for me, um, you know, I've been struggling. I've been struggling with my recovery recently. Um, and the, the, we talked about humility earlier and, you know, I actually had, I, I switched sponsors um, yesterday day before yesterday wow. yeah and 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 i love my previous sponsor and in fact he's still a, a part he'll be a part of my life you know and certainly in my network but what i recognized was that um i just wasn't talking to my sponsor and so i found somebody who i relate to and i think has more direct you know some some something anyway the point of this is you know because of that change you know when i texted her yesterday morning i said you know i was saying you know please i i you know we'd met and blah, 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 blah. And I've known her for a few years in my recovery now. And I said, would you please sponsor me you know, after we'd met and talked a few weeks ago? And she said, yes. And I, I said, you know, this is happening. I'm, I'm acting out in certain ways in my life and I'm scared. And I said, I, I said, I'm scared. Like, that's all I said. And it was a, and I've talked, I've said it a few times to a few people, but it's the first time I think I've said that in years. And I, that was really powerful for me. You know, I'm really grateful I'm able to do that these days because, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to that. You know, I don't want, I don't want to go back to those things. And so, you know, I talk, you talk about faith and I know faith is an important part of what, of your recovery. And I, right. I'm, I need that too, you know? Um, so what do no, you think? I, I, I think that's, that's fantastic to admit fear and uh, like they're scared is like, that's, unheard of in a lot of our histories so yeah. it's a good move uh to growth so because that uh, fear can growth can change us a little bit yeah i love that i well, love that i i i'm so happy to be able to say that and and have the faith that you know my faith says that you know I don't have to be perfect every day like and in, in active addiction one of my one of my biggest hangups for me you know and actually if you look in my office right this second mm -hmm. one of my biggest hangups is this desire to be perfect i have to do it perfectly you know and i'm a person of extremes i'm either amazing or not <laughs> and and so that 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 slowing of the pendulum that that stopping or putting you know finding that little bit of balance so it's a little more like this instead of wildly swinging yeah the spiritual principle of balance is a good it's a good um good tool i uh because i mean um i was saying the second step is a good is uh i for instance is that i i get and what i've been taught is that you know set uh one of the spiritual principles that's not really discussed very much is balance from the second step and i i go back to that when i'm when i'm swinging to those pendulums i'm like what's the the you know restoration of sanity but the what's the balance of that yeah um so yeah, that's a, the grounding, the balance. Like that's I, I, I like that spiritual principle. <laughs> um, Robert Legg, uh, a, a really a longtime listener and a good friend, um, he says, um, bringing up your your actual what you do on a daily basis, mm -hmm. Leela, it looks like Montana has a pretty progressive Good Samaritan law that precludes sanctions revoking probation or parole. I, yeah, does mm -hmm. it also? Include charges against the person who may have supplied the drugs that may have caused the OD, and is the public well aware enough that people don't stay, don't delay, or not call nine one one? Good question. Um, that there was some controversy of of whether or not that in this legislature. I think that it failed. That you there is a. Yeah, I'm not sure how that worked out. I, I'm, I'll get his information and be able to follow up because I do believe that it's um that there won't if that there is a penalty for supplying yeah. um, the drugs that, that OD'd. I believe that's still on the law. Um, Narcan. I mean, there's one. 
not a lot of Narcan around um, Missoula. Lots in Billings, lots in Helena. There is a district, you know, a group that's um, gives Narcan training, um, but they've been closed pretty much. Their offices has been closed from the pandemic, so that will pick up, I'm sure. You can get it over the counter in uh, Montana. Oh wow, so that's, that's awesome. Um, so, but we're yeah, there's been a lot of. I mean, I, I I've put on, and a lot of people have been, you know, we've been like, there's some stuff out, you know, don't use alone, carry Narcan. Um, lots of overdose in the last week in Missoula, at least. Um, and then we don't really have, we don't, we haven't really been hit with the uh, fentanyl deaths um, out here as much. Um, the, I mean, the drug of choice out here is not, is not opioids, it's meth. Hmm. So um, we have much more meth than, you know, any opioids. So, I mean, it, everything is going to be laced, can be laced with fentanyl. So, you know, yeah. you never, never know, but yeah. What are the social justice issues that you are working on in Montana right now? What, Just that? housing, really. I mean, everywhere is concerned with housing, um, you know, recovery housing, which has housing, period. Um, lots of homelessness. I mean, Missoula has, we have a lot of people who are unhoused, um, just getting access to housing. I mean, a lot, it's, people say it's expensive out here, but I mean, I lived out east, so I'm not really sure what that means. Um, but there's not enough, there's not enough quantity out here. Um, I believe my, my experience since the pandemic happened, everyone can work from home. Um, you can, no, you can, you can call 911, they won't get arrested, at least in Montana. Um, the, there's a lot of people from the pandemic like, oh, we can work from home. Let's move to Montana. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so the housing market just went like crap. I mean, it just like was bad. Uh, you know, like ev no one could get housing or hardly any housing. So now is all the recovery housing through the D the Department of Corrections? Well, majority. I think there's a few that aren't, but only a handful. Yeah. Yeah. So are you working on getting it out of yeah, the RC Montana, Montana advocacy project are working on, you know, more on just built getting, see if the community is interested in that. There is, there right. was a house that opened in Butte. Um, the, the director said it really had a hard time opening them because the neighborhood didn't want them there. NIMBY. Yeah. yeah. Not in you my know, backyard. We've heard this story many, many times. So they were, and, and interesting that the neighborhood they ended up in is a very, very nice, like upstanding neighborhood. And they were like, come on in. And huh. so, um, but other neighborhoods don't, didn't want them to be, and it's zoning requirements and stuff like that. You know, if we only have three people who are, who are um, related can live in the same house. So it depends <laughs> on zoning and Can't stuff. Have more you know? than four unrelated females living in the same house. Right. Uh, so there's zoning requirements and that kind of stuff. So. Well, so this this is I love this topic because, of course, you know we're a recovery house provider here in Richmond. Um, what are the challenges? I know, right? What are the challenges and the the stigma that 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 comes along with opening up a recovery housing, and what is the reality? Because you know, well, well, I, I, I mean, don't you, we know the reality. This the reality is is that you know, you know, people like I mean, it's. And the stats are against us in reality, you know, um, people are in and out. Um, you know, it's just, I think the zoning is the biggest thing with most of the big cities of like how many people can live in a facility that aren't related and um, parking. I, you know, like we don't have a lot of, um, you know, like strong street parking. Most of them are garages and, you know, driveways. So parking is a, another I mean, can be an issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, with simple stuff like that gets people tagged, you know. Well, you know, who's in charge? Yeah. Who's in charge, right? Who's responsible for this? Like, if it's not like if we can't do it like an Oxford House style, like who's responsible for this abode, right? And who's yeah. going to be held accountable? And if there's no one, one person going to be held accountable, then that's that's actually the question that people I know are open. Who's responsible for this? facility you know well these doc so. houses are these doc houses run by authentic peer you know peers they're in not no we have no peer recovery housing oh my goodness. that's one thing no and excluding there's church-based recovery housing i have okay. to say there are there are some faith-based church-based recovery housing but I, I think the one the two i know are like for women with children 
Yeah. And wow, they're church awesome. and they're church based. So yeah, um, so there are those ones are peer recoveries, you know, but nothing like McShen. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, and, and, you know, that value, that authentic, that authentic peer recovery value. I mean, both, we all work a 12 step fellowship and I know that in the 12 step fellowships, you know, the, the, the therapeutic value of one act helping another is without parallel. Mm -hmm. Right. And that translates, you know, translating that to the, I guess, outside community is, you know, the, I don't want to use the word therapeutic because we're not clinical, but the value of one person in recovery helping the next person in recovery is without, without parallel, I think is another way to say that. Um, I think out here from my experience is that they think they're, since everything's so, you know, a lot of them is like, who's, who's the authority figure? Like who's the clinician? Yeah. And so peer recovery so far when I, when we, when I discuss it is not like, what, what is that? You know, you don't have a therapist who's in charge or a psychologist who's in charge or, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, what, what does peer recovery mean? So that's, it's fun. And they're like, Oh, that sounds great. We love that idea. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Maybe they just never, they don't have that as an, as a um, means of, you know, recovery housing or recovery structure. What do you, you think know. about that, Kyle? Would you live in a house that was run by a therapist or some kind of clinician? I'll tell you this much. My first trip to recovery, I, uh, it, which was a pain in the butt because while I was getting high, I wanted to get myself help. So I applied for Medicaid because the rehabs are too expensive and, you know, it takes so forever to join the CSB. I don't know if you guys have CSBs out there, but, but the first time I got into rehab because I'd applied for Medicaid because Medicaid was supposed to cover it. And that was taken forever. I'm like, look, I'm going to die if I don't get help. So I had to join the CSB and luckily the CSB put me into a rehab and it was a clinical rehab called Boxwood. And I'm not knocking any kind of rehabs. Or I've any spoken kind of there. Yep. I've spoken there a couple times. Yep. And I'm not knocking any kind of rehabs or any, any place that's trying to help people. But for me personally, in my experience, somebody that's never, been through what I've been through, it's harder for me to listen and take their advice when you don't know the shit that I've done and been through through my addiction. You know, yes, they're there to help you. And and like I said, I'm not knocking that kind of recovery, but I am able to learn more from somebody that's standing in front of me that's been where I've been and has fought their way through it. I want to know how you did it because you were where I'm at. Now look at you, you know, it, it's hard for me to look at a clinician or a therapist and they're telling me what to do. And I'm like, what do you mean? You've never even been through, how, how would you know what to do? You don't have no experience through addiction, you know, but that's just, that's just me now. Now, not everything's for everybody, you know? And, and I'm going to say when I first did go to that rehab, I completed the 30 days and I stayed clean a year afterwards. So something worked, you know, they taught me about my addiction, but you know, being able to come to McShin and being around people, everybody here that speaks to you and everybody that's teaching you something has been through that addiction. And it, it's so good to just be able to, because for me, I have well, I would have a problem telling my therapist all the dirty shit that I've done through my addiction. But when I come here, I can share it and, with a smile on my face because I know I'm not going to be judged. You've been there too, you know, and it's, it's just a lot easier for me to get that off my chest and to take in more information from somebody that's been there rather than, you know, well, yeah. that's just my opinion. That's yeah, well, multi-pathways multi is always good. Um, sometimes the, the clinician work for some other people and some of the peer recovery works for us. Um, there was a question on harm reduction in yeah. Montana. Um, they, they, <laughs> so in Missoula, for example, we have um, an alarm club where all the meetings are, and next door is the open open day lounge, which is their needle exchange. So there is a lot of harm, harm reduction in Missoula. There's also, I believe, there's a uh, Great Falls has a, a chapter of the um, Church of Safe Injection um, that travels around the state. Um, but I'm not mm. sure if they were active. I'm, I saw them. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they're still active. Um, so there is there. Um, outside of Missoula, you, you know, I haven't really heard a lot of other harm reduction, including in Billings having, um, you know, Narcan training. Yeah. Um, 
to Jamie's well, Jamie's first question, I I, I do want to clear clarify something. Um, in Virginia, if you call nine one one, the current the, the the law that passed and goes into effect actually July first, um, means if you call and you are uh, you are calling for an individual who is experiencing um, an overdose, you as the caller will not get arrested. And the person experiencing the overdose will not get arrested. Now, the new law that goes into effect July 1st also um, prevents the the individual who might be assisting in giving aid, you know, giving the Narcan to the individual overdosing who's not making the phone call. And and it's just a little technicality, a little extra that had to be brought into the law because wouldn't you know it, some cop somewhere in some backwoods place found a little loophole and still fi- found a way to arrest somebody um, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, giving help. So, so the law is right now you can call, you know, and, and, you will not be arrested for possession charge. You can, however, still be arrested for distribution. How does that affect an individual on probation? That is a good question that we don't have an answer for. Um, I think that still needs to be worked out. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that to see if they're revoked because that's for for Montana and I, certainly. I, I would imagine that they uh-huh. would, but the law would be revoked. Right. Yeah. I would imagine that would you would be revoked. And we've got a lot of. But I'm. I'm I'm just yeah. I would imagine I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna I, I imagine that in Virginia, you know, each each of our, you know, magistrate each magisterial district or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're gonna be able to they're they're gonna have a lot of latitude on how they choose, you know, each parole or probation office is probably gonna have a lot of latitude like they do now on how they effectively, you know, um violate individuals. Mm-hmm. And because I know, you know, I know my experience in uh in 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 uh, Warrington was vastly different than what, it, what could have been here in in um, Henrico County. Going to Jamie's other question. So community service boards—that's what a CSB is. Community services boards are um, there are forty CSBs throughout Virginia, and they are all um, in de- they're 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 run by the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Services, and they are. Um, a resource for getting mental health and recovery or behavioral health um, services. Now, in Virginia, we have what's called Step Virginia, which uh, works towards getting same-day access to recovery services or to to mental health ser- behavioral health services. Excuse me. And they they you know you you can go talk to the legislature and they'll they'll laud the fact that hey we got same day access the reality is they have same day assessment so you can walk in and you can get assessed but actually getting treated getting into a recovery house you know getting into something you need it may actually take if you're lucky a few days you know if you're if you're if the reality is probably closer to a few weeks and you know as we know an individual who's making that decision hey i need help i need it now that person needs the help right away because you may not get another window well look at we just had a dude come here i'm not going to say his name but he came here two days ago and he had to fly all the way here from maine Mm. because they did not have any rehab bed space or anything he said it was a a 90-day wait just to get a bed open so he flew all the way down here from maine does uh, virginia have a limit on beds that can be covered by medicaid because montana has 12 you can only have 12 medicaid patients in no matter how big the facility is at a time so if you're on medicaid you only have 12 12 people and there's beds in some facilities that are like empty because they don't have enough like paid people and there's too many medicaid so i don't know if virginia has anything like limit of medicaid patients per facilities but montana has that we we here in virginia uh, a lot is being ch- a lot is changing um, with Medicaid beds, and and McShin doesn't take Medicaid, so I I actually don't know much about that. I do know that there are some new houses coming up, and things have changed, and I I know that more needs to happen as always, but things have changed, and it seems like you know for my friends who are part of that, you know, part of doing running these houses, that that there's a little more latitude and acceptance of the authentic peer recovery model. Yeah. Um, but more will be revealed, as they say. You know? As they say. Um, and and I, I, I want to – now, one thing about what you were just talking about, Kyle, um, that specific program, um, Operation Hope, that, that comes out of Maine, 
Um, yeah, they don't have the resources in Maine. So what they've done there, and I think this is one of the coolest things um, here in McShin, is what they've done is in Maine is that you can go to, in certain places in Maine, you can go to a police station, a firehouse, and say, hey, I need help. And they will detox you, or they're supposed to detox you. I don't think he got detoxed, but they're supposed to detox you. And then you can, I believe you have a few different choices, but you can choose to go to um, places all around, I believe all around the country. I know that McShin is one of those places as part of Operation Hope in Maine. And we've had great success with individuals who've flown and come, you know, come here. In fact, we've had people on staff, um, several people who are still living in the Richmond area who have, who maintain their recovery. Um, in fact, you don't know this, but the person I was talking to, talking to you about earlier, mm -hmm. he comes from the same program that the, the other individual did. So, you know, that, that, you know, finding, that's that's why we have these conversations with other states because you know we might not have the resources in Virginia but you might have the resources in Maine or Montana and you know you may not have the resources in Montana but we might be able to help you in Virginia that's right. why we need to stay connected like this and so um, man I, I see that we're at 51 minutes here but I do want to quickly um, I know Robert Robert I know you want to talk about all these amazing things and um, what was it what was up there besides peer recovery, that yeah, that one. Besides peer support recovery, Jamie asks. Besides peer peer support recovery specialists, what is a good way and/or role to better assist others in recovery? This is a great question, Leela. What do you think? Well, I think just be you know being there, maybe you know a phone call away. And we don't have to be a specialist in, in anything. We can just be you know a person in recovery as well. Um, I just, you know, invite them. For, I mean, I'm impartial to walks. It's like invite them for a walk. I'm not going to make them walk 27 miles, but you know, like just, or sit outside, have some coffee, just like what, or, you know, tea or whatever, just reach out to people. You know, I, I, you know, a lot of people just don't, they, you know, they're like newcomer calls me. If I have a newcomer's phone number, I'll just reach out occasionally and be like, Hey, what's up? You know, we're going to be here. We're going to do this. You want to come? You know, like now that the pandemic is waning, there's more things to do um, outside. And it's summertime in Montana, which doesn't happen, but like three months a year. So <laughs> we're outside. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I just reach out to people and be like, hey, you know, little four walks, let's have coffee, like hit a meeting. You know, we're all going to be here after we have dinner or something like that. So. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Well, in all reality, we're all specialists in one thing or addiction you know we don't gotta have a certification to be an addict um so in all reality like they say the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is not parallel just being there for somebody like she said you know being able to be that person that you know if they're struggling they can call just to be a friend uh, a shoulder to cry on an ear to listen sometimes that could save somebody's life and you don't realize that it's the little things like that for us addicts to where because I know I've been through it before I've wanted to use and then you know called my sponsor and he called me an idiot so what are you doing come to pick me <laughs> pick me up and take me to IHOP after a meeting you know the the cliche stuff and that's the kind of stuff that saved my life you know mm -hmm. and and sometimes it's the little things just just to be there like hey I know when I would whenever when I had my network and I was going to meetings I'd miss one meeting I'd have about five or six people calling mm -hmm. me like dude where are you at what are you doing? Why aren't you at this meeting? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I had to work. It, it's all right. I'll be there tomorrow. You know what I mean? So it's people to hold us accountable. We need, we need to hold each other accountable because nobody else is going to do it. You know, it's on us to save people's lives. I went to say something that I wanted to say, like that I'm a person, I'm my, my religious tradition. So um, it involves a lot of drinking. <laughs> and so the rabbi here, um, Last year we had like a sober Seder for Passover and a sober like Purim, which is like a holiday you get really drunk at. And so <laughs> there's a lot of stuff out here in the Jewish community out here in Missoula that don't revolve all the traditional stuff about about drinking. So it's um it's you know like it's a, it's very progressive <laughs> out here, even Montana when there's like you know we, a very small Jewish population out here. And they're really in tune to recovery issues, at least in the community in Missoula. And that's, it's amazing. So, so I just had to shout that out because I, out there, I didn't have that. So, yeah. Um, we, we're coming up to the top of the hour, and I, I, I really appreciate this robust conversation in the chat over here. Um, you know, Patrick, I appreciate you. And, and 
you know, we, we, we can talk more cause I, I know Patrick, <laughs> um, we're, yeah. we're good friends and I know, actually everybody over here, I know, um, pretty well, but I do want to say, uh, for, for both of you really appreciate having you both on the show today. Grateful for the opportunity to, to, to hear what you have to say and share with you. Um, excited to know more about what's going on in Montana. Yeah, Before- I'm really looking forward to like hearing, getting more information out to you guys. I really, I need to call you. Know, I need a, sh- I need a McShin shirt. Mine got m- m- lost. <laughs> well, we we can do that. We can <laughs> we yep. can do that. Yeah. Actually, I I let someone borrow it because I needed a shirt, and then I then they you know like went out, and I don't know where they they are <laughs> in the world. So a newer newer member. So yeah, I've gained fifty pounds since I got to the chin. <laughs> so none of my shirts from the beginning fit anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I let someone borrow it because I need a long. It was a long sleeve red shirt, so. Oh, yeah. I remember those. I, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen one of those in a while. But I remember. I've yeah, seen. It was very sad, them. and they yeah. they left us and then come back. So. <laughs> well, you know, Leela, we the Recovery Fest is happening again this year. We did it last year, and we did it on a very small scale. Um, but this year, we're doing it. Um, it's actually That's exciting. September, yeah, it's actually it's uh, September 11th, which of course is the 20th. Oh. Uh, 20th, not anniversary, That's but. A- I guess. Twenty. That's a, that, that's a. That's a. This gave me like, really. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think you know we're obviously we're going to be sensitive all the way around with that. And you know, as as a person who was in who's DC the, when that happened, you know, who's I. The, I um, who's the speaker? Do they know you? Oh, I yeah, I have no idea. Oh. We'll, we'll 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 probably have you know it's 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 every year's election. You guys get big yeah, names but, out there. Yeah, we'll we'll get. Yeah, I'm not sure what yet was going to happen. I'm not even sure if we're going to do the barbecue cookoff yet. Um, Honesty might be listening right now, and she's probably thinking, Nathan, you know better. But <laughs> but the reality is, you know, we're, we're we just had our uh, Memorial Day cookout, so we had our first little. I saw the pictures. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah. yeah, our first little foray. Dance yeah. party or something. Oh, it was a blast. D- uh, Justin got new speakers, and we were able to blast. So, anyway, uh, we are definitely. I saw Carol pictures of Carol dancing. Carol's amazing, <laughs> isn't she? Um, <laughs> what do you have uh, before we say before we sign off? Do you have any um, any last thoughts, suggestions? No, I'm just really happy ideas? to be here. Grateful to be alive. Um, and thanks for McShin for helping me in that process. And um, just I'm I'm just grateful. And Kyle, I'm glad you're here. Um, please keep, keep 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 coming back and keep coming on. So it's really good to share the stage with all of y'all today. Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome to you. have you, Kyle. Any last thoughts, words? How how did that feel for you? Uh, to be honest with you, I was scared to death. I mean, I I have social anxiety, and I'm you dropped this on me, and I was like, you know what? I need to get out of my box. I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad I came to do this because it really, you know, in in, in the end, this is the stuff that helps me because I need to be able to talk to people and I'm just glad for Leela. Glad to be here. You know, glad you invited me to do this and I hope I can come back because this is fun. Good. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here and thank, thank you, Leela. I'll talk more. And Justin, as always, thank you for being an amazing producer and to everybody who watched, uh, we will see you all next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, we have, um, we have guests to talk about uh, a project that we've been working on. You know what? I'm going to let you find this on Facebook because it's a lot to explain, but I'll tell you, it's going to be some interesting stuff. Really great facts, really great work that's been uh, being done on the national level to get out some information about what do people in recovery actually want as desired outcomes and looking, um, talking peers in recovery discussing outcomes that are important for peers in recovery instead of just looking clinicians saying, hey, you need to tick this box and tick that box. Um, Then we have next week um, on the 10th, we have Jeff Breedlove and Deanna. Ah, Deanna's last name. I don't have my thing in front of me. But we have a nice conversation about what's going on with uh, the money situation. What we have money for recovery for some people in recovery doing amazing work in Georgia and in California. So that'll be an interesting conversation next Thursday. And then of course we have Wednesday Women's Day and I know Joyce and Dixie are going to make it awesome. So thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend and take care. Thank Thanks you. again. Honesty Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo-hoo! Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times-Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. 
Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShin. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.